0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined by Andy Benoit, NFL analyst. Joins us courtesy of betonline.ag. Andy, good morning.
1: Hey, guys. How are you?
0: Good. We're staring down the first full weekend of the NFL. And I'm looking at the odds here for the season. It's been 15 years since anybody's gone back-to-back but the gamblers think the Chiefs are going to do it. Why believe in Kansas City in a salary cap sport where injuries are such a problem and can derail in a season in a heartbeat, how come people are betting on the Chiefs to go back-to-back first team since the Patriots, back when Tom Brady was in his 20s?
1: Yeah, well, you know, most of that offense is back, a lot of that defense is back, and Uh, You know, we know how good Patrick Mahomes is and what Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill mean for the Chiefs and the amount of speed they put on the field and the the way that that offense and that system under Andy Reid leverages the speed. I think what separated Kansas City as the season progressed last year was the development and improvement of their defense. And we've seen that before with teams that get more familiar with the scheme run by by, by Kansas City's D coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, Tyron Matthew in particular became an exceptionally valuable player in that scheme, and that scheme was able to expand because of that. So that, to me, is where the optimism lies. Is that this? I don't want to say it's the best Chiefs defense we've seen in several years. You know, I I, I don't know that. Maybe it is. It's certainly it's a high playmaking type of defense. So they've got some difference makers there, uh, and Chris Jones up front is a guy that can disrupt the quarterback and, and create turnovers. So is Frank Clark. I think they have a true number one corner. I don't know if he's a superstar, but, but Traverius Ward at right corner has been an outstanding weapon for them, an outstanding stopper for them. And then Matthews, the miscellaneous piece that really took them off next year. So there's a lot more to like with this defense than we've seen in previous years.
2: Yeah, I think obviously you can make that strong case for KC, given where they are and how many guys they have basically into their prime, led by Mahomes and the great coach. I'm wondering about the other conference. Uh, Do you look at that as wide open?
1: You're talking the NFC teams and who can come out of the NFC? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's wide open. I think Dallas and Philadelphia are playoff-caliber teams coming out of the East. The North, NFC North, to me, is the hardest division to predict this year. Uh, NFC South, there's uh, three teams, really. Atlanta went 6-2 and two in the second half of last season. Not a lot of people noticed, but you know, that's, that's a better Falcons team than what their overall record indicates. I think New Orleans is the most complete team in the NFC. And then, of course, Tampa Bay brought in a certain quarterback, and we expect them to be better. And then in the NFC West, San Francisco defending champs, Seattle, uh, I thought it'd be a 7-9 and type of rebuild effort for them a year ago, and their rebuild effort resulted, I believe, they went 11-5, and their defense should only be better this season. And I, I think the Rams are a lot better than what they showed a year ago as well.
0: So as you look over all those teams and you see how even that is, the, uh, the public flocks to the Niners, who okay, that, that was good in the playoffs last year and you get to the Super Bowl and all that, but at 10-1 to 1, and we know there's a history of teams losing the Super Bowl and the next season goes haywire. Super Bowl hangover, injuries, sometimes it's personnel stuff. Do you think the Niners really have that kind of inside track and that kind of edge or is that just people flocking to a familiar franchise?
1: Well, if ever there was a year that you could debunk the Super Bowl hangover, you know, it could be it could be this year, for the reason that we've had such an unusual offseason, the teams that have continuity, I think you could say, probably enter the season certainly with a more advantageous position. And in San Francisco's case, it's continuity. I think they have all but one starter back on both sides of the ball, I want to say. And, and then their coaching staff is one of the best in the NFL on both sides of the ball. And they've got everybody back, which is very unusual for a team that has as much success in the playoffs as they did a year ago. Some of of their guys were on head coaching short lists, but they've got them all back right now. So that's that's an unusual scenario in San Fran because of how good those coaches are together. I would be more optimistic for them than I would be for other Super Bowl, what was the Super Bowl hangover teams, teams coming off the Super Bowl loss, we'll call it.
2: Yeah, I get all that. To me – I'm looking for Seattle to take another step because you said, you know, rebuilding seven and nine, and they obviously far superseded that. And I'm wondering with Russell Wilson, I've always thought that he's never really gotten his due as a big time quarterback.
1: Well, that's, that's probably fair. I think there are some, you know, the league's been set up for traditional dropback passers. And that's, I know that's how I was taught to evaluate quarterbacks. And, you know, Wilson is just not that style of QB and it's not to say he can't do it, but he he's just so unconventional and his strengths are so unique. A lot of things that he does well are things that you have coached other quarterbacks specifically to not do. So therefore Wilson's become a a a a more challenging quarterback to evaluate from the especially from the outside looking in just because of the style of play. But I think as we've seen over time for one, Wilson has matured and has really harnessed his style of play to where he regulates his out-of-structure designs extremely well, and he gets outside the pocket, breaks the play down, goes sandlot mode. There's certainly a method to the madness that that's here now that I don't know if it was always there originally. And then the Seahawks, to their credit, they've done a great job of tailoring their offense to accommodate that. They, they basically have two plays for every play they call. They, they have the one that's drawn up, and then they coach their guys on what to do when Russell Wilson breaks it down or extends the play, what do we do from here? So it's, it's an evolved offense in that sense, and then Seattle's figured out if we're a run-based offense first, that that's where we begin and end is with our running game that's a, that's a smart, sound way to play with Russell Wilson because it, it kind of nullifies some of the highs and lows that come with a guy who plays out of structure a lot. It keeps us a little more on schedule than we do. It also, by the way, plays to Wilson's greatest strength, which is his downfield passing. He is an unbelievable vertical thrower. His arcs on his ball, his precision accuracy, his ability to do it in and out of the pocket and from different platforms. He's probably the best overall deep ball thrower in the NFL. And a lot of deep balls are thrown out of run formations because you get, for one, you get the play action element a lot of the times, but those deep balls take time to unfold, which means you need extra blockers in there and extra blockers, tight ends, fullbacks, helping in pass protection. Those are your run personnel guys.
0: So one of the other teams that seems to be hot and really popular The Baltimore Ravens, 13-2. Well, that's essentially 6.5-1. That's almost as good odds as the Chiefs. And yes, they've got an exciting quarterback, and yes, they've been a one seed, and they've won a bunch of regular season games, but they flamed out in the playoffs two years in a row, losing to the Chargers at home 23-17, and the Titans at home 28-12. And there just have to be big red flags going up about whether – they're built to succeed in the postseason. Now, maybe they break through, but should people be this excited about them? I mean, aren't those two pretty big red flags going up the last two years?
1: Well, I would almost separate the two. I mean, the first year, Lamar Jackson had come in mid-season and he's a rookie and they're kind of making some adjustments on the fly. And it was nice that they even got there given where they started out when Jackson entered the lineup. You know, it was just kind of an on the fly job. This, this last year is really the first year that the team was fully built around Jackson, because remember when you plug him in, you're changing the makeup of your offense. There's nobody in the NFL like Lamar Jackson. So you're running a totally different scheme with him, which is what the Ravens started doing last year. But I think the, the, It's probably best to look at them as they're one year into this. And, yeah, they had a horrible performance in their playoff game. I think it was their worst performance of the season. I think they felt that their week four loss to the Browns was their worst performance. But it was a bad time to, to have a bad performance. So can they bounce back from that? Yeah, I mean, of course they can. We've seen a lot of teams bounce back from that kind of stuff. The fact of the matter is Baltimore's quarterback is the most mobile QB we've seen since Michael Vick. Their offense is is the most creative run game offense in the NFL. And then Greg Roman, who had Colin Kaepernick the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick, Greg Roman's done this for a lot of years as a coordinator and run game designer now. So that's their foundation. And then what really separates Jackson from other mobile QBs and really what Vic never quite harnessed that Jackson appears to be grasping is the importance of being able to play from the pocket still. It doesn't have to be your core as a QB per se. We just talked about Russell Wilson and how he does things a little differently. But you still have to be able to operate from within the pocket in obvious past situations if you're going to be a consistent NFL quarterback. And that's what Jackson did exceptionally well last season. For a guy as mobile as him, who's always been able to run away from whoever he's facing on a football field, and here he is in the NFL and he's still able to run away from people. For a guy like that to have developed pocket patience and and move with subtlety and nuance within the pocket and keep his eyes downfield and only use his legs, if he has to, that's extremely impressive. And that's really what what makes the long-term outlook for Jackson so encouraging because I don't know if we've seen another QB with top-shelf mobility that's also shown he's willing to become a refined pocket passer.
2: On the other end of the spectrum with no mobility is Tom Brady. (laughs) I wanted to (laughs) ask you about his receiving core. Uh, Can I argue that the talent around him – has been better than maybe what he's
1: ever had, but certainly in
2: recent seasons in uh, New England?
1: Yeah, I think you could argue that. that. That 07 season that he had with the Patriots when it was Randy Moss and uh, Wes Welker and those guys, that's, that'd probably be the, the argument is maybe that was a, a close second or even first in some people's minds. But to have Chris Godwin, who was a top five receiver in production last year, Mike Evans, who's a true number one receiver, especially on the outside when he lines up over on the boundary side. Yeah, those are weapons for Brady, and and he really was hamstrung last year by a lack of weapons in the passing game in New England. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out. Then having multiple tight ends, you know, Bruce Arians has said we're going to put two tight ends on the field quite a bit. the reason you do that is because it gives you the the full menu of your running game and your passing game. And obviously Brady at this point in his career and really about 15 years ago, he can check in and out of any play you want. He has full command at the line of scrimmage. He sets the protections as well. So you're able, the more things you can do, given your personnel on the field, the more opportunity you have to maximize the, the football brain of Tom Brady. And that's, been a pretty good formula over the years.
0: We are being joined right now by Andy Benoit, NFL analyst, joins us courtesy of Bet BetOnline.ag. So, the Raiders are moving to Vegas. So, for a lot of Utah fans, that means, A, the Raider fans that get to go see them, or B, they're going to root for one of the teams the Raiders play, and they want to go see them in Vegas. Or C, they just want to go to an NFL game. But winning matters even in a tourist driven town like Vegas and the Raiders the odds on the Raiders at 81 put them in the bottom quarter of the league are they going to go into a new a brand new palatial stadium and just stink it up and be in the bottom quarter of the league
1: well i, I don't know if i'd anticipate that i think what's interesting with the Raiders is they they invested in Speed this past offseason, namely in drafting Henry Ruggs early or with their early-round pick, their first-round pick, and then at other positions and other draft capital that went into the idea of, let's stretch the field a little more. Will Derek Carr respond to that and play that way? Because Carr is not the most aggressive quarterback. He's more of a, a field general, ball distributor type, and I imagine John Gruden wants to see Carr let it loose. So, will Carr respond well to that? And if he does, I think that's a pretty complete offense. It's got a chance to be very competitive. And their defense, you know, we'd almost just be guessing at this point. I think nine of their guys are going to be new starters. Or if it's not that many, it will be by the end of this season, most likely. They rotate a lot of guys anyway. So, who their starting lineup is, is, is not as significant as it is for other teams because they usually, Paul Gunther, their coordinator, he plays about 16 or 17 different guys regularly, maybe even up to 20 guys. So it's a better defense overall, I think, than it was a year ago. They, they have more talent there. So I'd, I'd be optimistic for the Raiders.
2: AFC East, you know, we talk about New England. We, we pretty much put them in pen you know, for the last decade plus. Well, not other, I don't know that we can do that. Uh, who do you go with as the favorite? you looking at maybe Buffalo.
1: Yeah, Buffalo's Buffalo was very impressive last season, and, and now with, with I thought they were the best coach defense in the NFL. If you look at how fast they played and the number of different things they do, they weren't very complex, but they did so many. They did a lot of basic coverages, but they had such a wide array of them, and they did such a nice job of making some of those looks be disguised pre-snap that they feel like a complex defense. And then how fast they play off of that is extremely impressive. So, What I was going to say is when you look at Stefan Diggs coming aboard, that potentially changes a lot on the offense. For one, it leaves this team without any glaring weakness at any spot. doesn't mean that they're the most talented team, but they're a team that's devoid of any significant weaknesses. And then Diggs gives them a true number one receiver. He was number two in the NFL last year in deep ball receptions as a Viking. Josh Allen's his specialty is hunking the ball downfield very deep. Now, Allen needs to be more consistent. His, his accuracy has not been consistent enough in that realm, but having a true number one receiver there is going to help a little bit on some of those contested balls. And more importantly, I think it's going to clarify the safeties more. You now know where the coverage is rotating when Buffalo lines up, and that's not something Allen has had before. And at this point in his career, he needs to continue to progress at reading the field. He made great strides last year, still has a ways to go. And adding a guy like Stephon Diggs, it's really going to help clarify things for Allen. I think he'll become a more decisive QB. And, And maybe that makes him a more accurate QB. We'll find out.
0: So last thing before we let you go. For the people playing fantasy football, everybody needs a sleeper. Everybody needs the, the undrafted guy, the, the skill guy who's going to break out. Do you see anybody who fits that mold who you think, this person is being overlooked, but they're going to have an impact. They're going to score touchdowns, gain yards, get first downs, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I mean, off the top of my head, you know, Le'Veon Bell had bad numbers last year, and I can't imagine that they're not going to be better in New York this season. And the Jets actually quietly had a pretty strong finish to last season. So I would imagine there will be people that just pass on Le'Veon Bell in their fantasy draft. I'm not saying Bell's going to be what he was with the Steelers, but I would imagine he'll be much better than what his 2019 numbers suggest.
0: We appreciate a few minutes, as always, Andy. Thanks for filling us in on the uh, upcoming NFL season. All right, thanks, guys. Andy Benoit, NFL analyst, joining us courtesy of BetOnline.ag. PK, you got anybody you really like? Anybody? Yeah, I just
2: you said I said well, not just said, but I said my 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 NFC team was Seattle,
0: and in the AFC, well, the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to go to the Chiefs because so many things can go wrong that you don't control. But they looked so good, and I feel like the Ravens are so overvalued, and nobody else jumps out at me. So there's a little bit of, uh, you know, by default, and then maybe it's the Steelers and Roethlisberger comes back from the, the arm-elbow issues he's had, and he's okay. Uh, and in which case you'd have to, you know, they always seem to be in the mix with Roethlisberger, so I guess you'd have to put him back in the mix one way or another. But uh, it's partly the Chiefs, and it's just partly I don't believe in anybody else.
2: Well, the Chiefs remind me of the Seahawks a few years back. They got that young quarterback, and now I think Mahomes is a little bit better than Wilson, although I've been on record saying many times I thought I think Wilson is underappreciated. And comparing those two, you know, Seattle did get back. Now they blew it. We know about the interception, the goal line, and all that stuff. Uh, but they did get back right away, and then they tailed off as they got a little older, and guys seemed to get sidetracked and were interested in other things. I don't know if the Chiefs have those types of characters that Seattle had, but I compare the two, and they got back, so I'm expecting the Chiefs to get back too. But you're right, it's football, and it's uh, not necessarily anything can happen, but a lot of things (laughs) that are unforeseen can happen.
0: Well, the one thing Russell Wilson does, I mean, you sit around and debate all kinds of stuff, but they have won with him at quarterback. You know, they don't have losing seasons. They have a bunch of double-digit win seasons. Then, you know, what happens in the playoffs? But he's, he's won a lot of playoff games.
2: Do you know who his personal quarterback coach is?
0: I think I'm supposed to, and I think I'm going to know when you say it, but off the top of my head, I'm struggling. Yak is happy in there because Yak knows. Jake Heaps? Jake Heaps the one the only there sports it is. we
2: should get Jake Heaps on sports illustrated did a story on Russell Wilson and they didn't quote Heaps in the story but they referred to him multiple times as the personal quarterback coach of Russell Wilson obviously Heaps is a Seattle guy and you know his college career didn't turn out and there was no pro career to speak of but that doesn't mean you cannot be an excellent coach of the quarterback position and through all the crap some of it self-induced but nevertheless all the crap that Jake Heaps went through I'm glad to see him be doing something that I'm sure he loves you know they talked about John Beck uh, multiple times in that game the other night with him and, and Beck was like a robot he was like a computer you just put information into him and he'd (laughs) spit it back out I mean he was he was he was never one for a jovial interview but he was always available and he always gave you in-depth great answers to your questions he was phenomenal that way so you talk about a student of the game I can see that now I know John and knew of him a lot better than I did with Jake uh, but Russell Wilson is employing him so there must be something there
0: yeah and I think that uh as an athlete, you always need a second act. Uh, you know, even Tom Brady is going to retire, what, ballpark halfway through his life-ish, right? You need a second act. You got not just years. You, got, you probably have decades after your career. What do you do? Now, he's getting to that quicker than he wanted, right? But nonetheless, you still have to get to it. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, as a second career, he's found that and that uh, it's working so well. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. BYU is going to let fans into the home games. Still a little ways away here. Still got a few weeks before we get to it. But you want to be part of the 6,000? We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen
3: and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network.
1: Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet. But it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night, and my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room,
2: and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell was that? <laughs>
0: That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on me. That Lansbury. is not true. No, it is pretty much true.
3: Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK, brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. After. 24 hours of windstorms and power outages and school closures. More districts closed today. Yeah, why did you put that on Facebook, our Facebook page? Because I put it on the wrong Facebook page. Oh. I posted the wrong page. I didn't know until you told me right then. I was posting last night, and I was looking at what you posted. Our question of the morning, uh, 6,000. BYU's going to allow 6,000 fans in. How badly do you want to be one of the 6,000? Bad bad you want in you want some taste of normalcy you want something pk give me a live football game
2: of course i want in i'm the guy who usually sits down by the ramp who paints my face and puts on the blue wear
0: that would be awesome if it were true i don't have words for how spectacular that would be if the camera pushed in and we suddenly realized that was pk what that is pk
2: yeah your
3: blue i'll f- admit it i
2: don't your have a
0: blue any problem. fright wig on that would be
2: great I root for BYU. BYU it's... would have kicked the crap out of Utah this year. Everybody knows that.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you can't even focus on one thing right now. You're so scattered.
2: <laughs> I'm just coming clean. That's all. Be Utah. I wear a wig. <laughs> after all these years, I'm coming clean, man. I mean I'm just disappointed Alabama backed out and we would have handled them pretty well. I mean come on.
0: I I love that fans were going to that gif in the middle of the game. (laughs) That was outstanding. (laughs) This is twenty one nothing.
2: Gimme that GIF. (laughs) Give me that game. This team's going eight and zero. Everybody knows that.
0: What happens if they go eight and zero?
2: They will have won all eight games. Really? Yeah, that's what it. Happens.
0: People want more than that. They want, BYU fans want BYU to be recognized as big time, to be embraced as big time, to be back to the glory days. Heisman Trophy, National Championship, cranking out NFL guys left and right. Turn on the TV on Sunday and watch a Cougar win
2: the MVP. Well, they that football program has nothing to do with that. They can just win eight games. That's That's a beauty contest. So it's it's not it's not judged by scores, it's judged by humans. So it's not a standings based thing. Well, it can't be if you're in the right league. I'm looking to you, SEC. Well, yeah, I mean that's where it's slanted, and so that's but that but see that's that's even that that just proves the point. It can be if you're in the right league. So it's not necessarily results based. It's subjective. It's not we've we've created a schedule, a, a field, a tournament, and whoever advances and wins their their crown, they win the ship. Well, that's not the way this is. So I mean what do you mean? what happens if they go eight, 0 no, Nothing happens. They will have been eight and zero. That's the objective.
0: You know they want to go to a big bowl game in the playoff, right? Not that we know there are going to be bowl games in playoffs this year. Hope slash assume.
2: Yeah, but th- that's...
0: Not something they can control. Kalani can that. only go 8-0. No. That,
2: that's up to the judges in a beauty contest to decide who's the cutest. That, 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 that to me, is... Who cares about that? That's not the purpose purpose is to win these games that's the point and that's what they can do the other stuff there, yeah they're not going to be included, Lavelle Edwards said that 30 years ago and nothing is going to change there so why worry about that? That doesn't make any sense to me Big Nate
0: at Cougar Nate, not worried about that, he's got another issue and I got to admit, this is not an issue I considered living in Wyoming and being a high school football official makes it hard to go to games in a good year But I always find a way to go to every home game. However, it looks like the limited access may cause me to not be able to attend a game for the first time since I moved to Laramie. That's a commute right there, PK. Cougar fan in Laramie.
2: Uh, Yeah, what's that? Uh, It's about eight hours. And he hasn't well, missed a home game. He's, Big Nate's hardcore. Well, I mean, he, uh, he's talking on both sides of his mouth. says it's hard to do, but yet he does it every year.
0: <laughs> well, it's going to be hard to get a ticket to every game. I right,
2: think. but he said it's hard to do. It has been hard to do, and this is what he's done. So if it was hard to do, how are you doing it every year? It's that's probably sacrifices.
0: sacrifice. What he's I'm not talking, talking
2: about, about going forward. I'm talking about looking behind. He's already done it.
0: There are sacrifices he's had to it can't make. be
2: that hard if it's something you're doing every year, every single time. Well, if he's
0: a high school official, he's doing a game Friday night. Is he hopping in the car immediately afterwards and driving through the night? Or he's got a lot not of money and necessarily all these jet. games.
2: Most of the games start at eight thirty at night. And
0: that's a fair point too. You could
2: leave the next morning. Yeah, so you could you could take a tricycle and get here in time.
0: <laughs> That'd be awesome. Driving on eighty, <laughs> go screaming by a guy. A dude's on a trike. Oh, I right. must be Nate, BYU must be at home this weekend.
2: So many of the games are at night. That he's got, he's actually got plenty of time, and everybody knows uh, Delta flies direct from Laramie to Provo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Laramie's a hub, right?
0: So is
3: Provo. It's something.
2: <laughs> it's something. That's a good answer. It's something. <laughs> the people are marvelous. My experience with the people of Laramie has always been great, particularly at the University of Wyoming their sports information folks and all the people that you were are involved there they always were as hospitable as could possibly be i miss not seeing those guys uh the town is not something that i think that a city guy like myself could uh, thrive in but i always enjoyed the folks in laramie the, the, the fans and basketball i sat by the same fans year after year. Got to know them a little bit because you were there every year. And bat- well, not every year because they did the uh, once when they went to the uh, sixteen, 16 team, team whack. They uh, weren't in the same quad. No, that was pretty <laughs> stupid because it was you know it was covering both BYU and Utah for the watchdog uh, going there. You know, they always uh, crowds would always turn out, and it'd always be fun. Yeah, uh, to 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 be there. And uh, turned no out who,
0: that SMU and Rice did not create the same energy as UNLV and Wyoming. Uh,
2: no, and I actually have been to both of those places. Although those at those times I was covering Utah, and Utah had a premier national program, and they would turn out because of Utah. They didn't have the hatred towards BYU. There wasn't that. That clearly is built in. I can remember my first year, literally my first year on the beat, the tournament was in Albuquerque, and I was covering Utah. Didn't know a whole lot about BYU uh, beyond, you know, in terms of how much they were hated because I wasn't covering. The only time I saw BYU play is the two times that they played Utah. Well, I'm in the pit. And they bring out uh, like on a Friday, or maybe it's a Saturday, the final. They bring out uh, all the folks uh, for the cheerleaders for each team, and they introduce them. So they're gonna have all the cheerleaders out on the on the court, and they're gonna do a routine, right? Well, here comes the. Uh, San Diego State cheerleaders, you know, a little smattering of applause and blah blah blah. Here comes the Utah cheer, smattering of applause. Here comes the BYU Cheers. Welcome to the BYU cheerleaders. <laughs> Boo! Uh, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> what is this
0: about, man? <laughs> the BYU cheerleaders is getting annihilated. Why do they hate the BYU cheerleaders?
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who even cares? I know, and uh, I think my, maybe it was the second year, but uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't understand the passion against BYU in the conference at that point. I was new. You know, obviously later I got it, and then I end up we switched assignments and I I covered the Cougars for four years. And so certainly you got it then, uh, but at the time, yeah – That was a real eye-opener when the cheerleaders ran out and the the pit was packed. 18,000 folks, you know, they're basketball crazy down there. And uh, to see them all just screaming and yelling and cheering against the cheerleaders. Wow, we're on to something here. (laughs) You certainly don't don't get that. But uh, Wyoming's uh, the people. Uh, great, great people. So yeah, I mean that's that's something. If you've been doing this for a number of years, I, I think it works all ways. Whether no matter Weber State, uh, all the way up to Utah and all the schools in between, and uh, this is something that you've been used to doing, and now you're not going to be able to do it. That's why I was wondering that the folks who are used to doing it, how much are they going to push to get part of that six thousand? You would think that they would want to be there, particularly this year. You know, this is looks like. They looks like BYU has a good team, and then you factor in, well, they're not playing the, the better programs that they were supposed to play, so they should win. And I think it's extremely important to win this year because Kalani, the football program doesn't have an identity. You know, he went 9-4 and four with Broncos players, and then 4-9, and nine, and then two 7-6s. That's not good enough. So now all of these guys are his guys. He's worked toward it. We've talked about this. Jeff Grimes, who we had on this morning, the offensive coordinator. You know, he expected the team to hit the ground running basically because of the experience that they had. And obviously, you know, it was to the ultimate, and they, they just dominated. But this is—I think—this is a defining season for Kalani to really put together. Now you can't say, "Wow, it's against weaker competition," because he—that's he, not what it was intended. Uh, and if you slaughter that weaker competition like they did against Navy, well, you got to say that's a pretty good football team. So I think it's really important this season to kick some serious butt. And well, who wouldn't want I'm, to be there to see that? I'm only part, part way there
0: with you. I think you're right about it's important to kick some serious butt and it's important to go 8 0. If he backs 8 0 up with uh, good seasons the next couple of years, then. It'll all blend together, and nobody will really look at the level of competition. But the sure. level of competition is clearly lower. But that's and two if years be, from now. Right, and if they go 7-6 and six each of the next two years, everyone is going to look at 8-0 and, and say, well, you played Troy and okay, UTSA. So now
2: we're worried about 2022.
0: Well, I just think that it's, <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm yes. Not. But I think that this year, all you can do is go out and beat the teams you play this year. To validate this year, you are going to have to back it up. You know, but you
2: have to have this year in order to validate this absolutely,
0: year. Absolutely, totally agree. This
2: is a defining season for BYU football. They've been running in place. He's eighteen and twenty-one. I think in the last three years, with after the first nine and four, well, that. So you talk about future years validating. Yep. Well, Cause
0: I don't think you're going to get full credit for this year.
2: I but, mean, realistically, or not what i was going to say is the future years in the past if you follow me huh? invalidated the 9 and 4 right right so that's why you've got to get started sure you got to follow it up next year and the year after and that this is yep. the way that the business works it's what have you done and that you know that's the way we understand it and you get 2 3 years of uh, crap boom you're gone we lo- we look at all the coaches in the pac 12 south All of them had good runs and then they all got fired, except for Kyle. Every single one of them. What have you done for me lately? Got fired. From Jim Mora to to McIntyre to Rich Rod to Todd Graham, all got fired and all of them had won. They literally had won the division before Kyle won it, I believe, if I'm accurate. I think that's accurate. Pretty sure that's No, accurate. you're accurate. You're accurate. Yeah. The only, all, exception, so yeah, the you only constantly exception, have to do
0: it. The only exception is Tucker got out in one year in Colorado. And I'm out.
2: Right, he didn't win it. Exactly.
0: Uh, but aside from that, you're right. No, Colorado won the division and the coach who did it got fired. And Arizona won the division and the coach who did it got fired. Yeah. And UCLA actually he may have won the division twice. I have to go back and look. Um and he got fired.
2: Yeah, and same same uh in Tempe. So, of course, you got to follow everything up. But if you don't have a defining season this year...
0: When are you going to? Absolutely. You can get penalized for mucking this schedule up. But at 8-0, I think they'll still be a little... How good are they next year? I, that, and it won't be I, fair, I, I especially, about, and, especially if they send the whole offensive line to the NFL. <laughs> so, if
2: like, they slaughter just about everybody on the schedule or win comfortably... There's something to be said for that.
0: I agree with that, which is funny because the only people who didn't agree with that were Cougar fans in 2004 with the Utes. But that's the exact thing I thought about that 2014. You know, oh, they didn't play three ranked teams in a row. You didn't. You're right. They didn't. But is it their fault the other people weren't good enough? And it's it their fault that they won by a bazillion touchdowns every week? I think the same thing applies here. If, yeah, you, well, if that, you win by a bazillion be. touchdowns and then the NFL drafts your whole offensive line, guess what? You were really good.
2: Well, uh, that might be for some fans, but they're never going to acknowledge that. I right. can recall standing outside of in the end zone, in the south end zone, Rice Eccles, after they beat BYU and Brady Papinga, who went on to play in the NFL for a number of years, Said and they played three undefeated teams that year. Be what you did, right? Yeah, and he and he was just talking up Utah big time. So the people that matter knew how good that team was, and it can be the same thing this year. This is a, this is the crucial season. If Kalani wants to have seasons to de- validate the next couple years, he's got to have a big time season this year.
0: Agree with that, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and twelve eighty. The zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Question of the morning, BYU, going to let 6,000 fans into that Troy game, September 26th, the home opener, eight fifteen. ESPN. Do you want to be in that 6,000? Here's what I got, PK. You know I got theories. Here's my theory. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. The people who want in are A, Hardcore Cougars. B. I want to see BYU win. They don't care who they're playing, as long as they're playing the fight song and the guys are uh, pumping their fists, running off the field, and you got more points than the other guys. That's that's a good night at the ballpark, or in this case, stadium. You get the point. Uh, C. People who crave any bit of normalcy and normal is going to that stadium. On a Saturday to watch college football. Over here on the other side, we have people who, uh, A, don't feel safe and just aren't going. B, uh, the quality of the opposition, not not going to do it. It doesn't do it for me. Uh, C, want to go, but... Aren't going to be able to get one of the six thousand tickets because they don't uh, they don't uh, donate enough or they go to games but they go on somebody else's tickets they don't actually have season tickets uh, you know they buy some on the market or somebody gives them something because they're out of town at the cabin, at Newport Beach, whatever. Uh, And those folks aren't going to have a way to get in here. Who did I miss? That's the Cougar fan base.
2: Oh, I think it's obvious who you missed. You missed D, those who want to go, because when they go to games, they get loaded, only this time the line of the bathroom won't be near as long.
0: So that's a reason to go.
2: Yeah. So you, you won't miss any plays. You know, normally you stand in line because you got to go wee wee, right? And you miss a few plays. But the
0: TV timeout, you'll be able to run down, run back, and away you go. Right? Oh, here's another. Here's another. Well, here's what thing. about the people who go sit on the east side and go to the tents with the chocolate fountains? The chocolate fountains aren't going to be safe. That's gonna not gonna. The tents but, probably going to be gone. Isn't yeah, it? right. That's not going to happen.
2: Oh, everybody gets a chocolate fountain.
1: Oh, everybody Ooh, gets one. Well, there then we I'm yeah. in. <laughs> Right. Chocolate
2: fountains for everybody. That's part of the deal. And they're gonna spike that chocolate fountain with you know what?
0: Strawberries. Mountain Dew. Vodka. (laughs) Oh, vodka. Wow. We're going Yeah. I think Yuck had the right answer, man. I always trust the Mountain View high guy. (laughs) Mountain Dew. Oh, what do you have over here? Chocolate and Mountain Dew. Did he say (laughs) Mountain Dew or Mountain View? (laughs) Mountain Dew, but I went to Mountain View. And did you drink Mountain Dew? That was funny. I'm guys. not. A, I'm not a big fan of, of Dew myself. <laughs> that is just. I'm did Dr. you drink
2: Michelob? No. That's
0: just. I'm a Dr Pepper guy. Oh. oh, of course you are, right? That'd be the other choice. Yeah, probably. You like the diet Dr Pepper? No. It's very specific. No. If I'm going to drink soda, which I don't drink often, it's full, fully leaded.
2: You're fully loaded, huh? <laughs> leaded, but loaded, sure. <laughs> Where did I think this segment B- go? <laughs> this these is these are BYU fans who want to go to a ball game and watch BYU, and it's going to be, uh, what is it, One thirty in the afternoon? Is that what we decided?
0: No. It's 8.15. It's an 8.15 kick. 8.15. It's night game.
2: Oh, next week is... Oh, not Army's next week. 1.30. Uh, Army at Army CPS, KUTV2, makes you
0: tune in. Right.
2: Yeah. That's the 1.30 time is the next ball game, but that's away back in New York.
0: The only yeah. home game that has a time is the first one, with Troy. That's 8-15. Okay. The all others, right. Got it. Uh, Texas, San Antonio, TBA. UTSA, Texas State, Western Kentucky, and uh, Northern Alabama are all all to be determined. Okay, okay. Everything right. outside of North Alabama, if they're any. Well, it's, early it's in
2: earlier in o'clock. the year. The weather won't be nearly as well. You never know. I mean, it could be. I can remember a couple years It's pretty cold back. today. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, yeah, a couple years back, the Utes played a Friday night SC in September, and it was actually miserable. And I was in the little lobby to get into the, uh, to ride the elevator up and they let, we letting media in. Uh, they always let us in earlier and they weren't letting, uh, the regular crowd go in. And there was a guy standing next to me and he tried to get in and an usher said, oh, sorry, sir. We're not letting fans in. And, and I said, uh, That's the USC athletic director, and his name is Lynn Swan. (laughs) 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 You said that? Wow. (laughs) How quietly did you say it? (laughs) How loudly. (laughs) I I, I just let, yeah, you got to let this person in. And uh, especially, wow, man, in today's world with uh, the racial stuff that we live in, it could have gone crazy. And uh, Lynn Swan looked at me and I said, You'll have to excuse us. We're new to this conference.
0: And <laughs> Did he laugh? Yeah, he smiled. <laughs> You'll have to excuse us.
1: We're new to this conference.
2: <laughs> oh. I can remember. It was, if I remember correctly, it was a miserable September uh, rainy night on a Friday. And the Utes won. They haven't lost SC at home in a while. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's <laughs> you'll sweet. have to excuse me when are in
0: this conference. I'm glad I came in today. I didn't want to miss that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I had to say something to you him. And the... for some reason, I felt embarrassed. as Because I'm... he's Lynn Swann. And all of a, a pro... sudden, I'm a representative of Utah? I know. He's in the Pro Football <laughs> Hall of Fame. And he's a USC alum.
0: Yeah. He literally won Super Bowls. With dramatic catches,
2: right? And wasn't he? He did some big time announcing too, didn't he?
0: ABC, yeah, he was on ABC broadcasts, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're new to this conference. Well, he's in over there. I don't want to drop. Do you know who I am? But really, I'm not the problem. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, Your security, but I'm not the problem. <laughs> oh, I find that hilarious. Well, it's a true true story. (laughs) Uh, But as far as that early season weather, I remember, and it was early in uh, Kyle's career, and it had to be like, I mean, 2007. I mean, it was way early. But they played a late September game at home with the Aggies, and it snowed. Now, it didn't stick, but it snowed hard enough you could see it on TV. And I can remember multiple people watching the channel, too, going, Man, Utah weather, this is pathetic. It's snowing in September. Come on! Come on!
2: Yeah, so you never really know. No, you never know. Uh, but I anticipate that being a good uh a You good got good eyes, so. though. But yeah, I, if I'm a BYU fan, I would really try. I, I think it would be cool to say you're at that game. You know, the third or fourth game, and maybe they'll increase the number of fans and maybe the health conditions will allow us. I mean, that to me, I would think that's what everybody's desire is. Uh, I would think if you're a Utah fan, you would want to see uh, 30,000 in that stadium.
0: I, I, yeah, I think. And, and I get that people who have, uh, you know, underlying health concerns and, uh, you know, and, and based on your age and all that, want to be careful. But having uh, been at that RSL game uh, with Seattle a week ago, and they said they had 4,000 people in a 20,000-seat stadium, and just uh, the eyeball test of looking out there, it's like people are really spread out here. You know, if you're spread out and masked up, and I, I don't know all the rules at BYU, Yach, you probably do, uh, but at the RSL game, they required people to be masked up. They're going and this to this is what BYU is going to require. And they're going to do the same thing. When you're masked up and that's spread out, it, and, and I mean, I'm not a doctor, I just play one on the radio, but it looked... Really safe. I mean I I just have zero concerns. It wasn't even anything you thought of where you're like, oh, that's a crowd of people. Like four thousand and twenty thousand in a twenty thousand seat stadium were spread out. So six thousand in a sixty thousand plus seat stadium, they're gonna be plenty spread out.
2: Oh my gosh. It seems like they'll be Yeah, I mean you could go to a concession stand spread out.
0: Yeah, you could go to a concession stand and, and it becomes too dangerous in a moment, right? I just saw stuff about that motorcycle rally. Well, I don't, I don't think riding motorcycles outdoors a big group is that dangerous, but if you all go to a bar afterwards and hang out for 2 hours, well, now you made it dangerous. You know, so you can go to anything and make it dangerous, but I think the act of sitting in that stadium, 6,000, that's not even I mean, we we've been down there to spring games when that was a thing and it didn't and we saw 10 to 15,000 people at a spring game and it looked pretty empty. So, 6,000, you'll be able to get away from everybody. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, uh, more on the Cougars, and uh, also we got to get to the NBA playoffs. They are who you thought they were. It's happening. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.